Welcome back. This time we are talking digital comics featuring Spider-Girl. If you are subscribed to the show and your favorite podcast you catch, you'll see that our most recent episode is available right now. So hopefully you're all caught up and a part of the live stream. I want to tell everybody before we get started about our great shows here on the Spider-Doo Radio Network. We have two Spider-Doo Vault Series shows, Clone Saga Chronicles and Spectacular Radio. Clone Saga Chronicles is the show all about the 90s Clone Saga and Clone Saga-related characters here on the network that started everything on the network, but Spectacular Radio, hosted by Greg Wachanski, is the show all about the 2008-2009 animated series The Spectacular Spider-Man that ran on Kids WB and Disney XD, with frequent guests being executive producer of the program, Greg Wiseman, that covered every single episode of the series. The amazing Spider-Man classic season one was three guys uh, uh, talking about Spidey from the beginning, with season two being a father-son duo, Jack and Javi Trujillo doing it themselves. Spectacular Spidey South Yosemite Era podcast is hosted by Chris Denman. Talks about the era of the Spectacular Spider-Man comic drawn by our pal Sal Buscema, starting from the death of Gene DeWolf all the way up until the Clone Saga. And then finally, we've got Voices from the Eerie Gargoyles podcast hosted by Greg Bashansky and Jennifer L. Anderson. Covers the Gargoyles animated series by co-creator Greg Wiseman. The latest episode for Patreon subscribers. The video version is available right now, talking about High Noon. And the audio edition should be available on your favorite podcasting app. And finally, we've recorded the first two episodes of the show, but the uh, Books of X is a Patreon first show hosted by Neil Bogenreiter that talks about the Kirkoan era of X-Men from the beginning. And finally, our sister program here on this YouTube channel is Spidey Dude Experience, hosted by me, where we talk about Spidey's modern day stories. So you can find the archives of that show and the rest of the shows on the Spidey-Dude.com. Links are down in the description below. And of course, before we get started, we got to thank our patrons over at patreon.com slash Spidey Network. Friends like Venkman, Scott, who have been our supporters since the beginning. Greg, Kale, Phoenician, Georges, Cindy, Jessica, Catherine, Kegar, Laura, Master Dramon, Ed Reynolds, Allison Farquhar, and our newest Patreon listeners, Vicky, Scott, Janelle, and Vanessa. Thank you guys and girls for your support for all the shows here on the Spidey Radio Network. And if you're listening to the audio edition of the show, Pay no mind as we will make some references to visual aids and or live comments since these are live streamed on the YouTube channel. Audio listener, leave us that five-star review on your favorite podcasting catcher, and we will read any feedback on a future episode of the show. Thank you in advance. So if you're watching us live right after the fact, give us that like, that share, and that subscribe. And as always, we have the, I have the co-host of the program, Miss Kelly McDaniel. Kelly, hello! You're muted. Hi, hello, hello. I muted myself so that way you could talk freely oh. in your spiel. And uh, what books are we covering tonight? We are covering uh, Spectacular Spider-Girl 1 through 4. Uh, these are the, obviously I read the digital only issues because this is a digital only run, um, mm -hmm. but they were reprinted in Spider-Man Family. And we will discuss when they are, like we said last episode, we will always write when they are reprinted and where they were. Mm -hmm. um, but we are reading the digital copies because that's how it was intended, mm -hmm. which for better or worse. <laughs> um, but, you know, there is yeah. that. Look, look, we come a long way in terms of oh. digital comics and Marvel Unlimited. We've come a very long way. Yes. But these yes. were, this, this was one of the first online only runs of a, of any marvel comic mm -hmm. uh because you know marvel always has to test everything with spider girl she is their like tester sim um <laughs> to see if things will sink or swim so you know yeah that's it's, it's the guinea pig and um i think it did all right 
considering. No, they, but, they did. I mean, you can tell. Well, we'll talk you about are, it more. Uh, um, I, I'll say this. Um, I in reading the digital copy, <clears throat> the guided view has come a long way. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's come a very very long way. So, um, get the ticker going. There we go. All right. Um, so, yeah. Um, we got some news. Um, to uh, talk about. Yeah, we've got quite a few things. Um, but yeah. So, as I go down the list in this very very long note. Um, <laughs> so news, obviously. Um. We're recording this on March 23rd. Um, so on Tuesday, uh, we got the last issue of the A Next uh, digital comic in the Avengers uh, Unlimited Infinity comic. It's cute. I enjoy the story. I think everyone should go read it. Please don't pirate it. Please download Marvel Unlimited and give it your clicks to show that people actually want more of these stories because your clicks do matter. It does. They, they I was about are to paying. call somebody out, and I wasn't. I'm not going to do that. I'll call you out privately. But seriously, if you can, it's ten bucks a month. Even if it's just this month, just like open it up. Click on the last two two uh, issues. Just read them. Mm -hmm. Enjoy them. Read them every day. Click on them every day. So that way uh, that that tally counts. Because I don't know how far they like count uh, when people click on it. So, But I know that they do count that. Because they have sent me emails yes. saying that I was like in the top, what was it, the top 2% of uh, <laughs> reading Spider-Girl or something. The, that one time they sent us our analytics. In the year end, <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, that makes sense." But that also means somebody else was more than me, and I don't know who that was. Was not me. No. I, I can tell you, it wasn't me. But but yeah, no, please, please do. It's like ten bucks a month or sixty dollars a year. The yearly price, honestly, is well worth it. Um, oh, considering what you get with it, it's not just a next. You get the entire, almost the entirety of the MC two. You get. Uh, all of Amazing Spider-Man's Fantastic Four, X-Men. Mm -hmm. I mean, you you get and new access and to new, and like new comics is what it's it's only three months behind still, so it's only about nine weeks, really, like nine ten weeks. So again, like you know, everybody's yeah. kind of all up in arms about current comics. If you don't want to pick it up and buy it directly, but you might still want to read it later and can wait. Do Marvel Unlimited. Like I had a lot of friends that were reading the Spencer run via Marvel Unlimited because it was just they didn't want to pick up their individual books and they enjoyed it, you know, or, yeah. you know, and so to me, um, it also helps. I, I'll, I'll say this. It also helps to go back and read it when the when the controversies are dying down and it's not, uh -huh. you know, and you don't have Spider-Man Twitter being Spider-Man Twitter, um, as, as we talked about in the last episode well, that and, kelly was on with we're going to continue to talk about it um <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> we have a housekeeping thing we need to say um yes which i guess like we can jump into that kel because i mean yeah, yeah let's let's do that um because yeah because it's like we don't want to spoil the avengers story we want you to read it um obviously we will talk about it uh when we get to it but we are doing things in order so we got a while 
Because I know Ryan says that we're near the end and it's like, no, we are not near the end <laughs> at all. We've got a long way to go. A lot uh, listen, more issues to cover. You and I both want it to be the end because, you know, it's the, but it's the end of the beginning. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Well, into the current era. Uh, But yeah, housekeeping. So I was trying trying to write the banner and it's, and I actually wrote, I was trying to write the banner to put up on the screen, housekeeping. And then I wrote house killing. Yeah. House killing. (laughs) We're killing your house. Uh, But yeah, no. So uh, since the last episode, we've seen a bit of an uptick in emails and while I'm super glad about it, like we've got three emails to uh, read off and talk about um, that are awesome and that we can read. Um, you know, I love talking to you guys and I love being able to like, I love it when I see the fan mail comes in because it's so much fun. Um, but I do need to stress that like a, some language is just not tolerated and we will not say it on air. So apologies to that guy that paid for the anonymous email. Um, I won't read it on air. Some of y'all, if y'all follow my socials, might have seen it. Uh, but I will not read it on air. And B, some things that, you know, have also come to light about some really awkward, disturbing fan art that got sent to me. And I know it was out of concern, so I'm not mad at the person that sent it. But it's not something Make Mine Mayday approves of. We don't condone it. And uh, we're just going to kind of keep that on the dark web. Uh, King Chasm. Might have said the I um I always have to catch myself from not saying something inappropriate, but King Chasm can reign over that. That can be his domain. Um, mm. but we're we're not we're gonna keep it as far away from Make Mine Mayday as possible because it needs to stay as far away from from Mayday and Spider Girl as possible, in my opinion. So there was some dark yeah. things. Very dark things. There was and I I made him I made him look at it because it ruined like I saw it first thing I woke up. It was not a, it was not it was a great a, way to It was not okay. <laughs> it was not a great day. <laughs> it was not a great day to start. To start no, 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 not at all. And also too, just look, I can like I can take the 8th grade insults and the online harassment. Uh, you know, I I I think I've stated it. Like I I love comics. I've grown up in comics and I've grown up on the internet from the late 90s to, you know, to today. So stalking, doxing, et cetera, like everything that's been threatened and hurled at me has happened before. It's going to happen again, especially as I continue to put myself out there as an internet personality, especially within the comic realm. Um, I get that. I can take most of it on the chin. I'm not sitting here like whining about every little thing. Um, but, you know, silly threats might not scare me. But the thing is, is and this is just a reminder as a Spider-Man fandom as a whole, because I've seen some things about some creators, um, you know, where things are things are being taken too far. Um, you know, and it's the thing is, you need to remember that you're when you're saying these things and you're taking it this far and you're personally hurling attacks at people. That person is human. And you don't know what's going, you know, you have no clue what they're, what's going on with them. You have zero clue of what's weighing on their heart and what, you know, what they're dealing with. So attacking them, harassment, doxing, threats, all of that compounds on each other and it can take its toll. It's completely unneeded and it, on it, like, honestly, it's evil. It's disgusting and evil. Like you're not, this isn't 
a game. You are hurting somebody. And, you know, I, I don't think Mayday or Peter or any of the spiders would stand for that kind of callousness. And you aren't winning by wanting to hurt or scare somebody. Like, you're not going to win that way. You're not going to get what you want like that. So if you can't use your words to explain yourself and your disagreement respectfully, just walk away. Like, go touch some grass, focus on yourself, stay in your lane, drink some water. Uh, but just be kind and considerate and compassionate and, and realize that, like, what you're doing to somebody else, somebody else can do to you. So chill out, okay? Um, you know, I don't I have drop, much I'm more. dying on that. <laughs> uh, listen, I, I've seen what's been said. Kelly and I have been discussing privately how to address things like this. This is, and we felt like this is kind of the best way to, to do it. And I concur with everything she just said. Uh, Kelly has the full support of both me and the entire network. I can't speak for Brad personally, but I know that he probably feels the exact same way with Crawlspace as well. Oh, I so mean, I share, I share my stuff with Crawlspace too. Believe me, we're, we're laughing at these people behind their backs. And that's kind of the thing. It's like, they don't think they realize they're not hurting me like they think they are. But like I said, it's not just me that's dealing with this kind of harassment, which is hilarious because it's like, I don't even like the current run, but y'all apparently want to attack me because I say, hey, maybe don't uh, say things about people's wives. (laughs) Well, and and, you know, uh, so I'm going to make it really simple. Don't be a dick and be kind to one another. Okay. Um, and that, 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 you know, don't be a dick applies to both men and women. Don't be a dick. Um, you know, also don't send people's not safe words. It's just, like I said, I'm not mad at the person that sent it. I really am not because we both read it, which now we could get into, we're not going to get into the details because that was a little strange. It was a little too TMI. Uh, but the issue (laughs) at hand is it came out of concern right just um i was i was expecting not that Mm -hmm. on those links because i (laughs) there were certain things i knew and was expecting from what was on there not that and (laughs) now it's burned into my retinas i need bleach for my eyeballs um i will never ever unsee it it has ruined everything for me and I'm dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and Kelly couldn't be the only one to, to share in this in this uh, I no, I, situation. No, I had I had I had to break I, you down so you saw it because yeah. no, like for the longest time, everybody else is just like, yeah, because like none of us were shocked by the whole situation, so we were just like, yeah, this tracks, and nobody looked at it but me. And so I'm sitting here mm-hmm. about a particular picture I'm not getting into, and I'm just like, you don't understand. You do not understand. And so eventually curiosity got the better of Zach and um, I'm sorry. I, I couldn't, I couldn't let Kelly suffer by herself. I had to share this burden. <laughs> uh, you know, so it was, we're going yeah. we to need, need a lot of therapy. Um, but you know, in terms, in terms of that email, in terms of what we were sent, um, we don't condone it and uh i can assure you that no one related to it will ever be on this show over my dead body so yeah no um no um 
So but that's there's there's just, that. We're good. Okay. So moving on because we're getting into the history part, and I oh yeah, you know, let's just um so. A, so, some of some of those some of those things were drawn during this era. Um. God damn it, Kelly! Uh, all right. Uh, so a fun <laughs> sorry, podcast. Sorry, sorry. That I, I highly recommend recommend listening to is Brad Douglas's Spider-Man Crawl Space episodes, where he re- interviewed Tom, Ron, and Sal. This featured various cameos, including the King of Cameos, Stanley. My reason for bringing this up was that Sal accidentally let it slip that the title was what the title was going to be moving forward. Spectacular Spider-Girl. And to this point, uh, at the point of which it was recorded and subsequently released, the title had not been made publicly known yet. So that's a fun little factoid that people may or may not be aware of. The link to those episodes are down in the podcast notes on the very, very bottom. So of the podcast notes, obviously uh, I went over the history with the amazing Spider-Man family in the previous episode. So I'm going to avoid it here. If this is your first time listening, go back listen to the audio episode or go go watch the video episode on YouTube. So I will say that uh, all four of these parts were released digitally, sometimes first, but also sometimes second. Because regardless, it but regardless, it was released and published in the ASM family book. I did do some digging. It took me a little while, but I did find the press release of when they announced this uh, this this title. It says at quote at first she was just a Spider Girl. Then she became the Amazing Spider Girl. Now Mayday Parker, the future daughter of Spider Man, goes digital in the all new The Spectacular Spider Girl number one. Marvel is pleased to announce that Spider Girl will return in an all new series exclusive to the groundbreaking Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited. I'm glad they eliminated just digital comics because yeah, uh, it's such <laughs> it's such a mouth like it's a tongue twister. It's sad. beginning April fifteenth of that year. Written by co-creator Tom De. Falco, drawn by co-creator Ron Friends, and inked by Sal Buscema. The Spectacular Spider-Girl debuts number one, or number one debuts on Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited as part of the subscription services exclusive digital comics program. The story will appear in print just two weeks later in Amazing Spider-Man Family number five on sale Wednesday, April 29th. I found that on comicbookjesus.com. <laughs> so thanks to them for uh, preserving that for all posterity's sake. Uh, we actually probably had it on spideydo.com, but you know, that was like four reboots ago, so it's fine. Uh, yeah, so. th- there, there was that time somebody took the, took the domain for a bit. Oh, oh, trust me. I'm, I've been typing out the history of the website. I haven't got there yet, but I'm getting there. We need, we need to get you better password protection, man. Oh, I have much better password protection now. Okay. I just, use, I just use the ones that are made on my phone and that, and then I, yeah. 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 Now I have much yeah. better as my as my camera starts. Okay, all right, I'm back. Yeah, um, you're good. You're okay. good. So, Spectacular Spider Girl number one uh, released on Marvel Digital April fifteenth. Reprinted Amazing Spider Man Family April 29th. Cover date for May of two thousand nine. The title of the of the of the ep- of the episode of the issue is Who is Gwen Riley? Tom DeFalco, Ron Friends, and Sal is the team. So with the big announcement of Mayday moving over to Amazing Spider-Man family, they decided to give this have this issue to have a spectacular Spider-Girl be the lead story. So if you're reading it in Amazing Spider-Man family, this was the lead story. Our issue opens with May crashing through some glass while lamenting her lack of sleep. She is hunting down the order of the goblin to get some answers, but she finds the hideout has been deserted like a Ponzi scheme. Call center. 
May recaps recent events, her dad's kidnapping, Norman Osborne's final play, and his prior kidnapping of May as a baby, and how Mayday returned to the Parkers via Kane. She also recaps some of her adventures in Amazing Spider-Girl Volume 1, with references to Spider-Girl Number 0, What If 105, Dragon King, and Crazy 8, followed by the referencing of the April brand new May situation in Amazing Spider-Girl. May's thoughts are interrupted by April, who tags along. April thinks that she didn't know, but May reminds her of her spider sense. Despite this, it's still buzzing. May thinks it's April causing it to buzz, but the two quickly learn that it's what is actually causing it. The ca- the place is rigged to explode. May and April April leap out in time, recover across the street. April is kind of miffed that Mayday didn't ask her to tag along as her partner, but May isn't so sure about the whole situation. Meanwhile, the leader of the organization, Rene DeSantos, is talking to Philip Dijon, the father of our friend, I air quotes, uh, Fury. It turns out that she was injured by Norman Osborn, but she did receive some treatment. We cut back to May and April swinging around. May remarks that it's not the best idea to have two spider girls. Why not, May? It works for the Lady Hawk twins. Sorry, Kelly. I'm sorry. <laughs> that was a joke at you, Kelly. No, I know, but I'm, I'm not going to lie. Rereading this, I thought the same damn thing. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm... I'm angry. She has thoughts. It. I have thoughts. She has, she has a lot of thoughts. Eventually, April settles in on the blue costume that May uh, held up to show us in the last episode of Spider-Dude Experience, uh, briefly kind of showing her mayhem side, but that's later. Uh, April marks that they can be Spider-Girl Red and Spider-Girl Blue, a cheeky reference to Ron Friends' time on Superman, which saw a similar setup occur. Just as May asks to put a pin in it, a group of thugs are trying to hijack a truck. May and April spring in action, and May is not sure that's a good idea. Quickly, the thugs are dispatched, one of which is scared to death after April showed her bad side. Meanwhile, we are catching up with the most dysfunctional situationship in the MC2, the Black Tarantula, and Aranya. Chespero is informing Fabian about a new power player in town, and Aranya shows up to try to distract him? I, I, I don't know. She is in a robe and flirting. And while being threatened with murder by Chespro and planning a romantic getaway that may or may not involve Fabian being disappeared. Did it? Uh, we then cut to May and Mountain Marco, the old Lira meeting Magia crime boss, having a meeting with Sil- Silvio Baraka, the silver, aka the silverback, a completely new character that we've never seen before. Then we see him at first. He's in a wheelchair, seemingly paralyzed. Silvio once worked with Fisk back in the day, and as a result, feels he is entitled to take over from Black Tarantula. He stands up to Doc of Marco and set, and gets Salbusima slapped into next week. The message is clear. Don Silvio is making a power play, and the gang war is just beginning. Back at Forest Hills, Peter and MJ are updated on the situation that May and April stumbled into, and he's not happy that they were almost blown up and stumbled in into a gang war. April, unable to take social cues since she was born last week, doesn't detect the sarcasm in Peter's tone. May has to get ready for school, but April wonders aloud if she will be allowed to. Um, May thinks that it can be done, thinking of a cover story like the last name of Riley. May thinks that maybe April can change her face, which causes April to mean mug via symbiote, which causes concerns for Peter and MJ, and I am Hopefully still on. Not cutting out. Uh, April then goes through a different hairstyle that May has worn since Spider Girl. A visual gag and inside the table the discussion for that he is back at school. Story was that she had a bad flu, which makes a flu, which damn May. 
Um, Davida and Miss and Courtney, Jen, all happy to see me. They pass by Gene and Simone. Gene thinks they're all jealous, despite Simone calling them losers. Segway into trying to set up May with Wes. It's implied that both Courtney and Davida have been plotting this for a while, and look who happens to be there. It's Wes. Oh, boy. Wes gets invited to Cafe Indigo. Um, <clears throat> hopefully you guys heard all that. Um, for gang meetup, and he agrees. In reality, the group all... Okay. Uh, I'll bail afterwards to set me. Yeah, you're, you're, you're okay. You're okay now. Okay. Uh, much to May's dismay, May spider sense goes off and who shows up? It's April. Well, she looks like a mix of Joan Jett and Mayday mixed together. Slattery is walking with her and enjoying her charms. And she introduces us to her name officially April Parker, because April always comes before May. Davida and Courtney are confused. And MJ shows up and sees the look on May's face as she's caught up to speed and taken away by MJ to go and roll. May is very, very annoyed. We cut to Renee, who is looking for a status report on Elon. And, well, she doesn't like the accommodations, much to Renee's chagrin. Back at the Parker house that evening, we get a very upset Peter scolding April. But she's not taking it. She's just being an utter smartass. Peter does his best old man yells at cloud impression and it feels like she's a peter feels like she's a loose cannon and <laughs> mj reminds her of their responsibility peter relents as the doorbell rings his spider sense goes off peter doesn't want any more surprises but dot 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 we get a woman who looks like gwen calling herself gwen riley in the gwen death outfit a homage to amazing spider-man number 87 peter and mj take a minute to recover while they get the backstory gwen claims that Ben Riley is her father, that he wrote letters to her that she didn't receive until after her mother died. We never learn who her mother was supposed to be, I don't believe. Supposedly, this was all during Ben's lost years, shortly before the clone saga. She wants to come pay respects. MJ offers to show her his grave, which is something I don't think we knew until now. Gwen continues her discussion. May thinks it's an act. Their spider senses are going off, so they know she's lying. May offers her to get her coat, slips a tracer in her jacket. Once Gwen leaves, Peter goes into full detective mode, grabs her coffee cup and bags it up. May and April leave track her, and track her down. Mayday realizes she goes out uh, that she was supposed to meet with Wes, but then gunshots ring out. April offers to go handle it. May has her go find Gwen. Mayday quickly rounds up the thugs, wonders if she needs to call Wes, and then heads towards April. She hears a huge scream, and May rushes towards it, finding a very dead Gwen dressed in the Gwen Stacy death outfit and her clone right next to her to be continued. Kelly, your thoughts. All right. Well, uh, heck of a first issue. Um, it's definitely like my first thought on it. Um, let's see. So as I'm going all the way down, so I, one, I have this theory that uh, for the first week of April's uh, living life, uh, all she's done is watched like soap net. <laughs> like it, it's it's like not, not even like normal regular soap operas from this time she totally was watching soap net and watching like the old 80s and 90s like stuff she was probably watching like mj's show oh yes and for all we for all we know this this look is totally based off like mj's character's evil twin we don't know we have i mean so this this is my fan theory this is now a uh headcanon i have Especially because it, it definitely ties in to things April says later on. Because she she definitely knows TV and thinks the world works like TV. So, um, 
Well, she, you know, quote, I just, she was just born yesterday. She really was. Yeah, it's true. Uh, so yeah. So like, <laughs> that's one of my thoughts because especially the April comes before May line is just so she stole that. She stole that from the TV. I don't like, she had to have, I know it. And, and that makes it like more infuriating to me. Um, but you know, ultimately I, I like this issue a lot. Um, this is kind of the only issue that like the only caveats that I really, ha I feel like I need to address is especially as we go on, y'all are going to see kind of where April is not my favorite. Like, yes, she redeems herself. Yes. She turns out to be an amazing character and she is an amazing character. Like you, sh I don't think you're supposed to like her. She's not endearing. I know some people like to twist it and go, oh, but you know, she was born yesterday, she doesn't know. And it's like, but there's a mean streak here. And it's already in this, especially with the way she disrespects Peter. She, yes, yeah. you know, th this is my thing is it's not like she didn't know any better. She did know better. And, you know, she goes, well, y'all didn't talk to me. It, the, they told her like, hey, we got to work on a plan. Like we're, we'll sit down and talk on the plan later. We can't do this right now. And that didn't fit her schedule, so screw everybody else. And that's her attitude through most of this run. And it's she not has a massive chip on her shoulder. And well, it's not and... even a massive chip. Like she is arrogant. She is honestly, we'll see her like kind of devolve into like a total psychopath. And I mean, she truly, truly is a psychopath um with yeah. how she acts so it's like you know I, I like i wrote in my notes i'm like i'm peter i'm not sympathetic like i like it's you know it, i i don't have a lot of sympathy for her and it's the way she starts coming off and it's like it snowballs from here and you know i know she was in the stasis chamber for a week you know that's not a lot of time to really know the world and you know these people who have offered her help and are treating her like family, but she's constantly pushing their buttons and refu she's refusing to listen. And it's weird because it's like, you know, she's picking things up, but she's actively refusing to listen to any advice given to her from people who mean well. She's like actively refusing. And, you know, I just, I don't like pompous characters and that's kind of what she is here. Uh, Cause I mean, she has a big story to learn, but you know, y'all are going to kind of find out like, I don't, I don't give her the benefit of the doubt as much because there's things here, especially how she's written. You know exactly, she knows the consequences. She knows what's going to happen next. And we'll talk about that in other issues where she like literally is thinking about it and actually like happy about it. Happy about the the mayhem that she's causing. Um, nope, you're not, no. Yeah, thank you. But yeah, so that's that's kind of like yeah, Time. but that you know, like I said, that's kind of my my thing like on it that I really like think about. And, like we'll talk about it more, especially like as I'm reading my issues because there's the tension in the story uh, kind of sets off my anxiety, and April causes a lot of that. So there you go. All right. We'll, so we'll, we'll talk about on. it. But yeah. <laughs> We'll move on to the spectacular spider. Oh, well, I, I guess I got to get my thoughts first. Um, mm -hmm. Okay, this is this. Oh boy, this this got my attention when it first debuted. Uh, Gwen Riley was like, "Whoa," uh, because again, Colin Saga stuff was 
so rare at the time of Marvel's publishing history. Um, so I read this in Amazing Spider-Man Family at the t- as a, at the time it came out. I was getting my comics from Big Apple Comics over in Amarillo. Basically, anything with the words Spider and Man on it were pulled for me. That and the Avengers, uh, because Spider-Man was in the Avengers. This was certainly a big deal at the time it came out for me. Killing her off was very shocking. Uh, and I felt like, man, that's crazy. You just introduced this character. Uh, I remember thinking how much darker of a tone the series took at the time uh, and how it would kind of continue. But I um, I reread the entire 11 issues in one sitting and how it struck me, how different it is from the first two volumes. But it's strictly due to the fact that most of these stories take place at night. And as a result, you're going to see a different color palette being used slightly. Uh, this was also yeah. notable because this was a full 22 page story, but the remaining issues of the run would be 16 to 17 page stories. So uh, that brings us to Spectacular Spider-Girl number two. Uh, let's go. Let's go to the comments right quick. Uh, yeah, sure. Comments. Um, yeah. Oh, also, not just too, Ron's, um, Ron's Superman. Actually, no, no, no. I was about to say, oh, and also this, but I think it's actually the next. Or so where where is it? Because the way I read it. Because this is pretty early on, but it's one of the fights where, oh, it is in this issue. Uh, May is talking to the goons, and she's like, you know, because they were like, just take it back to Black Tarantula or something when she busts in. And she goes, yeah, you're just worker bees and have no interest in hive politics. And then it reminded me of the hive and Swathra in current comics, and it (laughs) made me sad. Oh, unintentional womp, womp. foretelling of sh- <laughs> unintentional uh, yeah. foretelling. All right, so uh, Rickman does bring up the fact that it was run on run on Superman from the nineties. Superman Red and Superman Blue goes back to the Silver Age. I am well aware. He thinks it's a nice continuity in the artwork with MJ's arm being in a cast. Uh, this yeah. is the one of the few times we see Moose during Spectacular. Moose, his cousin. Uh, his anger towards Spider-Girl and the subplot of which his dad having cancer will not be referenced again. No, Zach, don't bring out the soundboard. Behave myself. This is all Vinkman, by the way. I just read the spectacular yeah. Spider-Girl tr- trade. Um, so yeah, uh, mic drop from Kelly. Um, no, that was prior to this, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that was with all the all the stuff. So, all right, let's go yeah. to this spectacular Spider-Girl number. Issue two. All right. Released on Marvel Digital on May 13th, 2009. Reprinted on an Amazing Spider-Man Family number six. Released on May 20th, 2009. Cover date of June. The title of this part is Who Killed Gwen Riley? Picking up where we left off. Our last issue. Gwen Riley, dressed in the Gwen Stacy death suit, is very dead. And May asks the question uh, that is the title of the issue. She suspects April, who has claws and was there before her, due to the circumstantial circumstantial evidence would make you think this. May and April depart when sirens are coming near them. Their spider senses have gone off as they leave, and they kind of circle back. Uh, May calls Peter while April is mad that she doesn't have a cell phone, because you've been alive for a week, April. Chill. uh, No, because she can't. Right. I, I know. I know. Um, who does. Uh, so Peter, who does his best impression of himself in the MCU yelling what? While May is, assesses, uh, tells him the situation. Peter uh, asks if they compromise the scene while April points out that she left the spider tracer they placed on Gwen. 
This does not make Peter happy. Uh, Don Silvio is talking with Man Mountain Marco about the gang war while Don Silvio is bowling in his special custom-made bowling alley. He's trying to adjust to life with his new exoskeleton and also ha- trying to have people who he respects. Take Pascal, for instance, an old friend of Don Silvio's. He had sided with the Black Tarantula instead of him. They set him up in the lane all special-like, and he's hanging upside down. And Don decides to throw the ball down the lane. We are to assume he hit a strike. I mean, I, I don't know if this is like a mobster movie reference, but it just feels like it. Um, meanwhile, Peter had called Phil to work the scene with Gwen in the Gwen's death suit while Ruiz shows up and sees him grab Spider Tracer. Ruiz says it's evidence and he has to back it up. Peter's brought up to speed the next morning by Phil and Peter tells the girls what's going on. The person took all the evidence of idea from uh, of identification from Gwen, which April thinks is great news. But Peter says... It isn't since A, he's a cop, B, he wants the murder solved, and C, the spider tracer is in evidence. May hasn't gotten any sleep, and April is like, yeah, it's fine. So May thinks either she's very incredibly well-adjusted or she's a sociopath. Meanwhile, Fabian is leading, uh, is tending to his serenity tree while Anya is making fun of him for doing so, while the gang war is starting to erupt. Black Tarantula says it's not dissimilar to his duty as kingpin of crime, maintaining a delicate balance between the predators and the prey. Chespro asks if Black Tarantula needs help taking out the trash, which, good one, uh, informing Black Tarantula of a new player on the board, hired by Don Silvio, an L. Lincoln. Hmm, I wonder who that might be. Back to Midtown High, May and April are greeted by Wes, who April was very interested in meeting. Wes is wondering what happened, since no one showed up to Cafe, Cafe Indigo the previous night. April bursts in and asks Wes to show her around, informing Wes that May Day is not very much fun. Mayday laments that April seems to be able to live her life pretty easily, and maybe April's the original? A mystery student leaves the limo of Philip Dujon. Well, you know, it's actually, yeah, we'll, we'll learn that later. The, the way they, they shrouded her immediately, um, like, maybe it's a mystery. Uh, Philip is getting an update on Fury. It's not good. Later that day, Dark Devil and Mayday meet up, and May informs him of what's going on. The revelation startles Dark Devil, as he's keenly aware of who Ben Riley is and her family's history, and that her father doesn't know everything. Uh, hi, Neil. Uh, May wonders what that means and swings in, uh, away while Dark Devil is going to look into this further. Neil suggests scouring the rooftops for evidence, and May says that she will. Eventually, she finds some blood splatter, and this ex- exonerates. It feels that this exonerates. Hold on, April. hold on, hold on, Zach. What after you said hi, Neil? Um, as he's behind the scenes right now, y'all. You also called uh, Dark Devil Neil. <laughs> oh, <So> go back. <laughs> Why did you summon me? Oh, uh, you got you got to search said- for you got to search for Gwen Riley. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, be right back. My bad, Neil. I didn't mean to call you Dark Devil. (laughs) Neil is... I just snorted. Neil is behind the scenes because my my video card and internet are deciding to take a crap at the same time. So, for those of you listening to the audio edition, you have no idea what this is referenced to. Okay. Um, So, I'm going to go back to the revelation of Dark Devil. Uh, The revelation startles Dark Devil as he's keenly aware of who Ben Riley is and her family history and that her father doesn't know everything. May wonders what that means and swings away while Dark Devil is looking into this further. Dark Devil suggests scouring the rooftops rooftops for evidence and May says she's going to. Eventually, she does and finds some blood spatter and feels that this exonerates April. 
gunshots ring out in the night, and she leaps into action. At the abandoned amusement park headquarters of Whedon's task force, Dark Devil talks with Kane, who outright dismisses the notion that Ben had a daughter. Kane mentions that Janine is the only woman he truly loved, which is mostly true. But anyway, Kane confirms that Riley is his only child. That he kept a close eye on Ben for, for years. At Midtown, Gwen is treated like a Jane Doe. And until the fingerprints got hit with a match, which Phil thinks Peter's going to freak out about. Cut back to the turf war going on. Don Silvio's men are attacking Fancy Dan's men. We were confused because Dan doesn't care who's in charge. He'll work for anybody. <laughs> May quickly forgets, uh, or forgets. May quickly fights them and ends, uh, ends the fight as the cops arrive. They remark that they need a couple of dozen Spider-Girls to end this war, which is May going like, quiet, you'll give Marvel ideas. May senses danger from above and goes into a building under construction. An albino hand quickly grabs her leg and swings her around, disorienting her. We assume that she's, he assumes that she is the daughter of Spider-Man and wonders if, he, if he's ever talked about him to her, introducing himself as Tombstone. To be continued. Kelly, your thoughts. Yeah. So uh, again, lots, lots of, uh, lots of action, uh, lots of night scenes, as you mentioned earlier, because a lot of this does take place at night. Um, but um, obviously, first thing off the bat, um, Kane insisting on how he knows Riley is Ben's only kid is really invasive and weird and kind of hilarious in a really dark way. Like it, that's awkward. It's really awkward. Um, Kane always knows. <laughs> Kane always knows. It's really gross. Anyway, um, uh, oh, oh, and see, and I wrote the hive joke, so it was this issue, uh, not earlier, mm -hmm. but yeah. So the hive joke um, that May tells about it's her big kumbaya moment um, as she jumps in to beat them down with Fancy Dan. It it reminded me of current Spider Verse events, and then I got very sad. So mm -hmm. there's that. She's a wasp and now in a hive. Hive mind. Mm. It's really, really gross. Oh. Really, really wrong. Anyway, um, so yeah, so uh, we're gearing up for a very, very serious story here with Silverback and Tombstone. These are not characters to take lightly. Um, you know, as much as like, you know, she's fought Hobgoblin and that's dangerous too, but these characters are different because they're not crazy. Um, they're very, you know, these are your typical mobsters and hitmen and, you know, they're just super powered and that's a bit of a different battle, I think, for May because, like, this is gearing up for a gang war and she's never, I mean, she dealt with Kana, uh, Canis, Canis, uh, but, you know, it, it he kind of, he had a soft, it almost feels like, you know, like he had a soft spot for her. He, he was very fair. Silverback and Tombstone aren't going to play fair as you'll see. And uh, so this is, it's, um, th th this is, May's in for a battle and it's not great. So uh, notable instances here are um, also, there's some miscoloring, which also uh, I did forget to mention in the first issue when they're sitting down um, listening to Gwen Riley, since we will know who she is in a second, but Right. Uh, the Gwen Riley, there's some coloring issues. I don't know if it was just the way it was done, but like the background is in different pieces of uh, May's hair, it's white because it, the background coloring didn't get 
completed. And then here, um, there's some miscoloring with May's backpack. In one panel, it's pink. Obviously, as we know, it's teal, like an aqua. Uh, and um, there's also a panel where she is literally side by side with April. I believe it's where April is saying, who's that? Like, I want to talk to the Wes, you know, the guy named Wes. Um, and um, May's eyes are brown while April's are still blue in that panel. Um, and it's the only errors I really saw. I just figured I should mention it since it isn't a common occurrence to have coloring issues. But for some reason, this issue did. So it, it's, you know, it's jarring. So it's something that I want to make mention because I'm sure other people have also caught it and found it jarring. Um, there was a time where May's backpack was pink in the beginning, um, but it got changed to that aqua teal color and it was it's been aqua teal by this point for what 12 years 11 yeah yeah i mean it, it i think it was it, like 11 yeah yeah it's, yeah so uh you know it, it's a little jarring to kind of see that but um yeah that's really all i have to say on this issue is that you know we are in for a major fight so my first exposure to L. Thompson Lincoln um, is the 90 show. And I always think of this joke. Come down here and fight like a man. I don't suppose I could convince you to come up here and fight like a spider. So, you know, for me, I, I've always enjoyed Tombstone. Um, you know, and for those who have heard me discuss the current run of Zeb Wells, it's one of my personal favorite street level baddies that Peter faces. Uh, the Jerry Conway run in Spectacular is a wonderful story, bit of storytelling. And if you've not listened to... Um, the coverage on the South Samara podcast. They've, they've covered a lot of that on there. Um, the later things that like with JMD and, and Sal tackled him later in the run. So seeing his inclusion here is really welcome and I'm here for it. Um, it would have been fun to see how Janice would have been handled and had she been introduced sooner, but Lonnie here is very fun. Uh, the rest of the issue um, is great. Uh, I kind of, I do want to mention how Don Silvio's stuff is very goofy mobster fun. I mean, killing a man via a human bowling pin is slightly nightmare inducing. Uh, the dark. Oh, it's, it's scary. Like, I mean, it's, it's that dark humor scariness. So. Yeah. It like, it, yeah. it's, it's goofy. Like on the surface sounds, it seems goofy, but like when you read it and when you imagine it in your mind's eye, you're like, Oh God, like that's like the stuff you see in your nightmares, you know? Um, the Derek Devil bits are really what made me mad when we never got the resolution for May and Peter knowing about his origins. And this is the this made me hope we would get at the time to see that. So this is why Ron Ron's like, I don't know why it's a big deal. This this is one of the reasons why. Okay, Ron. Why? <laughs> All right. So uh, I am going to pass the review ton right. baton over. Um, I, there is a couple yeah. of comments. Uh, wait, Neil's Dark Devil now. Yeah. Uh, I always dug shift in tone for spectacular, but definitely felt a lot heavier than the other runs. Uh, and Bigman says, Oh, you were doing so it's, well, Zach. I mean, it's, 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 um, in this instance, I, he queued it up. I mean, if we get copyright struck because you, you used it, you know, that's, I will, that's I, on you. I, I will take the arrow on that one. I will All take right. The arrow. All right. So, um, spectacular Spider Girl number three. Kelly is going to be reviewing. Yes. Yeah. So I've, I've got the last two issues of the night. So spectacular spider girl, number three, 
Uh, Marvel Digital, it came out on June 10th, 2009. It was reprinted in Amazing Spider-Man Family, issue 7, released June 17th, 2009, cover date July uh, 2009. The title is Into the Fire. This issue starts right where we left off. May is kind of getting her butt kicked by Tombstone. While he is impressed by her skills, she still is a bit outmatched since it's like hitting steel and he's barely flinching. Meanwhile, April is heading into Cafe Indigo and she sees Simone and Lindsay and they start ragging on April's style and claims that the only reason she's getting any boy's attention at school is because they think she's, well, easy. I mean, they say cheap and uh, tacky, but you know what, it, you know what that means. Um, though, and, and then I have to bring up, you know, Simone, I guess, just doesn't own a mirror uh, and forgets that she's sloppy seconds, but you know, it's each their own. Uh, well, April decides to let her emotions get the best of her, and she uses a symbiote razor to cut the girls' skirts, causing them to fall down and revealing Simone Spanks to Lindsay. April laughs as she walks away. May, back to May's fight for life, uh, she is trying her hardest to subdue Tombstone, but it's hard when nothing can really injure him. We see that Silverback gets a call uh, from one of the goons, saying that it's on, and we learn that the plan is for them to dispose of Spider-Girl, and then they'll send Tombstone for Black Tarantula. At Midtown South Police Lab, we find that Gwen Riley is really Connie Fredrickson. And if Fredrickson sounds familiar, you might remember her, you might remember that name um, as the last name of Clo uh, Kalina? Fredrickson, um, which was the nurse that was very sweet and kind and loving to Norman in Revenge of the Green Goblin. Uh, she basically kind of looked like Emily, but with blonde hair. Emily Osborne with blonde hair. Um, and so, as it turns out, Connie would sometimes also use Connie Osborne in her grifting schemes. The coincidence isn't lost on Riley and Kane, how they, I guess, because maybe it was because it got ran in the database and they pulled it from federal records. I'm not sure. In any case, they somehow find out. Uh, maybe Phil t texted them. I don't know. Um, but while Riley is perplexed by, you know, even if this is the daughter of Norman Osborne, how would she know anything about Ben Riley? And why does she look like Gwen Stacy? Which Kane figures plastic surgery and someone prepping her, but who? Uh, Kane almost immediately deduces that the person who killed Gwen would be someone who wants to eliminate anyone who might be an heir to the Osborne legacy, and they go off to chase that hunch. Um, and then we cut back to May is struggling, very much so. She's putting up a good fight, but with an obvious concussion making her head spin, her ankles are so sore she can barely keep steady, and her and she feels like both of her hands are busted. She doesn't know how much more she can do. Tombstone gloats and May ponders throwing up on him, which, I mean, I would, because that would catch him off guard. So, you know, I would throw up on him. Um, but she holds, holds her own. April, however, on the hunt for May, uh, since May had ditched her, uh, or, you know, May, May ditched her. Uh, but April on the hunt for May sees Wes and figures he might be able to, uh, she might be able to flirt with him uh, to kind of get some answers as to where May might be. Something uh, Davida notices right away, and since it's not respectful of May's feelings whatsoever, and this is supposed to be her cousin, 
um, you know, her and Courtney have to tell May ASAP. But May they just can't answer the phone right now because uh, she's she's in the middle of a very busy busy battle. Uh, so cutting back to her in Tombstone, May's so exhausted and hurt that her reset her reflexes and senses are slowing way down. Even her repel powers are a bit wonky, as we can see bits of ceiling stuck to her feet as she swings from Tombstone's pipe baton, as I keep calling it. Uh, May falls to the floor and Tombstone smashes her web shooters. It is not looking good for our girl. Uh, back at Cafe Indigo, Wes is leaving, and as April come, uh, comes on way too strong, Wes asks her to tell May that he says hi. Something that makes April kind of want to rip something uh, out of Wes, because that's, you know, because, you know, like, he, she equates every single rejection to, uh, you know, May had, May stole her life and, and gets all the hot guys, and what about me, even though she literally is like, hey, baby, like, let's, you know, it's, it's so... I, whatever. Um, so not that April is even remotely interested in Wes's interests too. Like, let's also be fair. Cause she rags on comic books, like hardcore twice in what we read. It's really bad. Um, but all right. So thankfully before April can decide what she, if she's going to act on her disturbing thoughts, she sees a fire truck speeding past and chases it to find an apartment building burning down. The fire was so fast and spreading that, that the middle floors are completely blocked, meaning anyone on the top floors are trapped. April rushes into action, first changing, or uh, shifting, rather, into Spider-Girl Blue, but realizing the only way to really show Mayday up and make her sorry for ditching her is to save the day as Spider-Girl. To April, she has to be the real May, and our May is a clone, so this is really April's birthright. And all I'm going to say is unstable clone DNA probably bonds with symbiote DNA a lot better than a human because she's, she's not wearing a symbiote. She is the symbiote. Just saying. Anyway. Um, so a news show uh, is now kind of like playing all across the city. Like it's on the big, the big stark billboard. It's all over the TV. And it's showing April or Spider-Girl running in to save the day. Something that confuses and frustrates Silverback since didn't Tombstone, like, didn't he learn that Tombstone's fighting Spider-Girl, like, right now? Like, what happened? Did she escape somehow? Silverback demands an explanation for this. He calls his goon, who is with Tombstone, and, and like, uh, and, it, you know, and, and basically uh, the goon, his name is Nunzio, is totally confused. Tombstone is currently kicking her butt all over the place. What is Silverback talking about? Tombstone and Mayday uh, fall and land on a Stark billboard TV feed thing, like billboard thing, and they see Spider-Girl, another Spider-Girl, saving people from a burning building. Tombstone now thinks that the girl he's fighting has to be an imposter and asks who she is and starts to get really frustrated by this because he feels played. Something that... You know, and, and this also haunts May a bit because she's seeing how how April is saving the day and in May's head seemingly fits in at school. So maybe maybe May is the clone. But she quickly shakes shakes this off because she can't give up on herself. She's just got to find a way to outsmart this to outsmart this freak. And she does call him a freak in her head. 
Um, at the police lab, Captain Ruiz comes in to tell Phil to get himself a cup of coffee because she needs the room to speak to Peter Parker. She shows Peter the spider tracker that they, uh, or tracer, that they found in Connie's pocket, and she needs Peter to tell her everything he knows about Spider-Girl. As April basks in the glory of her big save, she says May's name out loud, too, which, what? Uh, thinking she now understands why Mayday is into being a hero. And and we cut to a hotel room also watching this celebration feed. A mysterious figure who probably really isn't that mysterious if you look at it long enough, um, to be fair, uh, zaps the TV they are that they're watching from, saying to themselves that Spider-Girl will meet the same fate as Gwen Riley. Tombstone is really angry since he thinks he got played by an imposter and is going at May with everything, slinging her around basically like a rag doll by her leg. May is struggling to keep her spirits up, even as to think that people wouldn't really notice if she was gone since now there's April. And, you know, she even kind of goes, well, my family would miss me for a while. Uh, but thankfully, May shakes that off, too, just before Tombstone gets her on the ground and starts to pummel her. After a bit, Nunzio finds Tombstone and asks how things are going. Tombstone says it's done. He then asks if Silverback knew that there were two Spider Girls, which he didn't. And so Tombstone now thinks if he expects to be paid, he needs to kill the other Spider Girl next. To be continued. Zach? Okay, so <laughs> I'm going to bring up something that Kelly's going to hate, so... Um, she's going to correct me after I say this. Um, I really should not have enjoyed the scene with Simone and April. It had been okay. It would it would have been different if they were in Cafe Indigo where everybody saw them. Right, right, right. And I'll I'll explain that later. But I'm gonna let you finish, and then I'll I'll bring that up. So I felt like it. It was there was a little bit of comeuppance for Simone. Uh, now Connery Fredrickson as Kelly mentions a very deep, deep cut. That's whose mother, Colina, helped nurse Norman back in the Ridge of the Green Goblin miniseries that pa Ron and Pat, Pawn, Ron and Pat did together uh, that they had the ridiculous turnaround time on. Um, so Kalina, I double checked. She was not seen again. So it was possible that she was Norman's daughter, which is kind of really fun, fun stuff. I loved how Tombstone is such a formidable foe for May and how dangerous he really is here. Um, you know, Norman did love uh, love Colina for the like she was the first woman he he kind of allowed himself well, to fall in love with since well no but see that's the thing though is that she literally like the issue at hand is it's because it he she reminds him of Emily like we, I mean we can literally go into this because I I will go into this lore like I don't think he yeah. really loved Colina as much as I think she reminded him of Emily and it reminded him of when he felt like you know he was human essentially Yes. No, I don't disagree with that. I, I just think that, you know, for somebody that had been so obsessed with his conquests of, you know, taking over the underworld and destroying Spider-Man and everything, you know, um, it was a very different change of pace for um, for the characters. So, I, I but I do agree with you that it probably it wasn't necessarily love. It was a love of he was in love with the idea of he was he was Alina. in love with the idea of somebody loving him yes 
Yes. That's that's where that's... that came from. And I'm sure because he's Norman, he used her. So, but anyway, yeah. No, he absolutely, absolutely did. I mean, basically it was a Florence Nightingale effect because she was his nurse. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and he was he, coming he, off he, of a very... He was well, extra crazy back then. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, all right. So, yeah. So, I am not a fan of what April did. Um, you know, pantsing the girls, even though they were wearing skirts, but pa essentially pantsing them. Because um, mm. there are other ways to cut people down. Plus, you know, it really wasn't in front of anybody. Like, it was, like, right outside the uh, cafe and there's not really a lot of people around and they're like up under a street light um, a little ways away because, you know, like April's walking towards cafe Indigo. Um, but, you know, all it really did was ruin the clothes. And then what my brain kind of went to is, you know, now they have two teens that have to like hold their skirts up while they walk or flag a cab or, I mean, because I would assume that Simone and Lindsay aren't going to just take a, a subway train. Uh, so, you know, with their clothes kind of falling off of them, and then that kind of just made me feel icky because that's not safe. I don't like that. I mean, it's – I've talked right, about right. this before. Like, I – yes, Simone is a bad girl. She's a mean girl. She's the Regina George of Midtown High. But she doesn't deserve that harassment, just like she didn't deserve when Jean pretty much treats her like a piece of meat and you know arm candy because that wasn't right on may it's not right on simone either and the fact simone willingly allows herself to be be that like is kind of sad and so yeah. like i said on this like april could have quipped back april could have said something back she didn't have to do this and i understand april probably didn't realize it you know either like she didn't fully understand her actions but she knew that that was going to cause them distress and did it because it amused her that they would be under distress. And that to me is what is kind of upsetting about that situation. Especially because well, I'm and, sitting here thinking of like, how did they get home with, now in my with head, no pants? I, they are teenagers with no pants. Now, in my head canon, I would think that Simone. My head canon says says that Simone always had security around her maybe and maybe that she they always had like a, a limo kind of you know off to the side well, I'm, I'm hoping she was able to like, like call a limo you know what I mean but and get there quickly but at the same time I don't think she has security as much as you think so because I think that would be she would find that uncool you know because she's still that's a true even if she's she, you know rich and by not so great means she still is a teenager that's true. You know, so like uh, I said, I like I just it bugged me because um, to me, it, it's really not that funny. Um, but I mean, I get it. And it's a classic high school thing. And yeah, it, it's it was funny when we first read it. But like I said, like me, me living in now like Uber culture, like thanks Ubers and creepy people driving Ubers. Um, I it creeped me out reading rereading this now because i was like oh god how did they get home are they safe like how did they right. get home uh, safely Bink like that you know it bugged me yeah um bankman in the comments says simone humiliation still occurred in front of a crowd of people you can see people at least six people laughing there at simone and her friends I'll, 
I'll double check but, it, but I, to me, yeah, if you don't notice makes, it like that, then that's not noticeable. So it doesn't like right. it, it looked alone. They were under a street light. Right. That being said, it was a very low blow by April is what he said, is to finish up his comment. So, yeah. um, yeah. So, uh, cause no, cause that wasn't all of my stuff. Yeah. So, still, again, whole, yeah, so but, yeah. um, yeah, so I, I hate this cliffhanger on this because tombstone really puts me through it here. And yeah, like, I mean, this is, this is a rough issue for me. The next issue is going to be a rough issue for me. Uh, cause obviously I love like the writing in this world. I love the world building. I love the characters. I love this, like how the story is being told, but I, April never fails to make me nervous when I reread these, like I start getting anxiety. And I don't know how else to describe it. Like, it is straight up anxiety. Um, she feels unstable with her determination not to listen or read any sort of cue from family and now classmates. Um, because she clearly makes Wes very uncomfortable when she lays it on thick. And she comes off way too strong, which is very unnerving in an entirely different way. And par that with her need to be constantly validated it's a very dangerous combination, which I know we know this. Um, you know, we've read May's journey about powers and responsibility. And so we can see the warning signs here where April does not fit into that mold at all. And if she can't learn, if she's refusing to listen and humble herself, this is, she's, she's a danger to others, um, which of course we'll see she is, um, which, you know, doesn't sound like a hero to me. Uh, but I guess like I should state here, obviously I know, as I stated earlier, I understand this is her character arc. This is how she redeems herself. But I also feel like I should reflect that when I was, like how I was feeling when I read this for the first time, which was nerves, and I still am getting that as a, every single time I reread. I can't help it. I just, I, oof, like it, the feelings were just so strong. And, you know, I, I get it again. And I get anxious about reading this because I'm worried for May and the Parker family all over again. And I just don't trust April. I am Peter Parker. I don't trust April being here. And you can feel that off these pages. Um, at least I do. And it's one of those reasons why, you know, I always pick this story as my least favorite when I get asked, not because I disagree with anything that's happening in the story or that I hate the story, but like I can just remember feeling that anxiety for both what was in the story and also how I felt first reading this on Marvel Unlimited and not knowing what this really meant for the characters or how long this was gonna go. You know, and this because this was a risky move on Mar moving it to Marvel Unlimited. It was very risky. And, you know, I've mentioned earlier about how I felt like once April was involved story wise, I felt like the writing was kind of on the wall for Spider Girl's run. And it was the beginning of the end. And this move is just kind of another layer on top of that being on digital. And, um, you know, plus I believe around this time the Disney buyout talks were happening where like they were like rumors, rumblings that that was going to happen and because like i can pull up a saved conversation with uh my now college ex um and you know it was a very lengthy discussion on my thoughts at 18 on how i didn't trust disney and change is scary uh so you know I, it's kind of rereading all of these is really putting me back in 2009 and not in a very nostalgic yeah. way uh just because it's like i literally right. i can I remember the anxiety reading this for the first time, both for the story well, the, and out of the story. Do, 
the, huh? for, for the record, the Disney deal get, the Disney deal got announced um, on August thirty first of two thousand nine because I just went back and read. Okay, so, so so yeah, so this is literally the issue right before that, right? Like I, four is four is the issue before that. Yes. Yeah. So like I said. This is a whole situation, you know what I mean? Like this is a whole situation that, um, that, you know, it, 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 it's crazy. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so anyway, um, I guess we're gonna move on. I, I saw like the yeah. internal notes, but I'm gonna, if we don't have anything else to say, I'm gonna go ahead and go on. Um, yeah, that's that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm good with that. We'll we'll just move on, move forward. Awesome. Okay, so spectacular Spider Girl number four. Info is Marvel Digital, July fifteenth, two thousand nine. It was reprinted in Amazing Spider-Man Family number eight, released July first, two thousand nine. Cover date in September two thousand nine. And the title is There's a New Spider Girl in Town. Uh, so. April narrates as she swings through the city looking for more glory. She's pretty mad at May ditching her, and she's angry about how, you know, she was rotting in a stasis chamber while the other girl got to live a life April feels is hers and hers alone, even though uh, that's not how lives work. But anyway, she's going to prove to everyone she can be a better spider girl, and she bets she can even find out who killed Gwen Riley because she's watched television her one week of living outside the tube. And, you know, it only takes like an hour and seems really incredibly easy to to figure out a killer. Because, you know, she's watched Law and Order like all week. So uh, April hears a scream and decides to check the check the petty distraction, as she calls it. Um, out and but this time she's going to be in her blue suit since so she doesn't want May to get the credit this time. So April is already exasperated by even having to go help because you know she wants to solve Gwen Riley's uh, the whole Gwen Riley thing before she goes home tonight. The scream came from a woman who is being mugged for her purse, and as one mugger tells her, if she just hands it over, they won't hurt her. Um, but it the woman says, but this is all I have. And, you know, there's a lot of desperation there. She doesn't want to let go. Um, you know, and I, I wrote feels in this economy back then, too, because we were in a recession. Um, and April swings in, calling the woman she's saving dumb for not putting her life savings in a bank, but then backtracks it because uh, backtracks on that because she thinks on it and goes, you know, she has to give an 0809 recession quip, which mirrors 2023 a bit. So, ouch. Um, someone then tries to sneak up on April and she slashes them with her symbiote claws. Something that scar, scars, scares the woman. I'm sure it scarred her psychologically. Um, hold on. All right. That scars the woman and April kind of saved. Um, and she calls April as she runs off, as vicious as the muggers. One mugger pulls a handgun out to protect himself from the costume lunatic that he sees before him, a move that only continues to anger April. And she starts to look more and more like a symbiote than human. And she's she seemingly shreds with her claws on him too. And she realizes that the woman ran that the woman when the woman ran off. I like she, she like finally realizes the woman ran off after she shreds all the muggers and they're lying in the street. Um, she she calls the lady a cow. 
and is very upset that no one is there to applaud her for saving people. But she sees the mugger's cash or is kind of all scattered on the ground from um, her shredding their pockets. And she picks it up because she needs to pick up a few things and isn't getting an allowance from Peter and MJ just yet and walks away. I'm going to bite my tongue about it for now because there's more crap. I hate, I hate it. I hate it so bad. So anyway, Tombstone calls Silverback, and we find out that the goons, Guido and Nunzio, are disposing of May, possibly May's body, as we speak, and he's doubling Tombstone's fee since there's a spider infestation happening that they didn't know about. But they are working on locating this other spider girl, and soon she will have a date with Desti I mean Tombstone. Um, April swings into an alley to shift back into her human look, all the while being upset and calling May names because she thinks May steals money from muggers after she knocks them out. And, you know, if they get this kind of money from superheroing, then, you know, this has to be a very lucrative deal. How dare May just hog, hog it for herself, you know, like, and I, I, I can't with April. I, I, I can't. I get people pretend she's just naive and doesn't know any better, but, you know, she also kind of does. She does know better. She just doesn't care, and I dislike it a lot. Um, April goes into a Buy Now electronic store to buy herself a cell phone, and is pretty proud of it since it's better than May's, which, come on, Normie built that phone. It's custom, and also the plan is paid for by Normie, which instantly makes it better because then it's free uh, to May, but, you know, something I don't think April quite thought through, because uh, I don't quite know if she understands what a cell, cell plan is, but whatever. Uh, April thinks that maybe she should call May up to gloat about her cool phone, which I, all right, how does she have May's number already? I'm, I'm lost on that part. Um, does she, and then I was like, does, does April even know how phones work? Uh, so, but before she can really follow through with that plan, she sees Wes come out of a comic book store, and April thinks of a better way to get back at May for ditching her and stealing her life. She changes her looks to look like May, and then just hauls off and kisses Wes, all while uh, having May call April mega sexy. Subtle April. Real, real subtle. Uh, we check back in with Riley and Kane as they are outside the warehouse and the goblin cult that the goblin cult likes to meet at. They kind of deduce that they think maybe the goblin cult recruited Connie to become Gwen Riley as a way to mess with the Parkers. And the cult had a plan um, kind of from the get-go to kill her afterwards. Like this was all a part of the plan. So yikes. Uh, so they bust in and find that the warehouse is empty. Well, Kane busted in. Dark, Dark Devil teleported. Um, they figure out that the blood splatter on the walls, um, they, they figure out from the blood splatter on the walls that the murderer must be hunting goblins. So now it's not like a goblin-based thing. This is somebody trying to, you know, kill all goblins. Uh, so as April leaves West to ponder the kiss, she shifts back into her costume and swings off, being seen by one of Silverback's eyes. And she doesn't even know it because she's too busy being happy with, for causing mayhem for May. Like, she's really happy about, like, the mess she put May in from this. It's, it's kind of sickening. Uh, so, at the police station, Ruiz explains 
the spider tracer tracker uh, and how she knows from looking at it, uh, just by looking at it, she knows it's spider girls and knows that spider girl is involved with this murder. Ruiz tells Peter that, you know, she gets the same kind of read, same kind of vibes from spider girl that she used to get from the original Thunderstrike, And she knows that since that man's the real deal, she wants to believe spider girl is too. But this tracer being on the victim does not look good for Spider-Girl. And she knows that Peter used to hang out with the original Spider-Man. So if he knows anything that can convince her that Spider-Girl isn't behind this and isn't a part of this murder, Peter needs to speak now. Um, we cut to April swinging around for, as she says, 10 minutes. She, she swung around for 10 whole minutes and is really upset that the killer just hasn't fallen into her lap because, you know, that's how it works on television. So clearly that's how it works in real life. She needs to try. Uh, so she was like, she tells herself that she needs to try the usual, usual suspects, but she doesn't have any usual suspects because she was born a week ago. Um, so yeah. So, oh no, or rather, yay, because her spider sense goes off, and she literally says yay. Um, and a bunch of and a bunch of metal pipe baton things go flying her way. And April thinks this obviously has to be the killer. Um, April barely dodges them and winds up on the ground. April asks him if he killed Gwen, which Tombstone assumes that's the girl of the that's the name of the other spider girl and beats April with a pipe hard. He hits her wrist trying to break her web shooters, but she doesn't have any. Tombstone is a bit confused by this, but no matter, he's still going to kill her just like he did the other spider girl, which now gets April's attention. And she tells him that he's made a fatal error and only killed, and, and you know, also after that, after she's angry, like, oh my God, you made a fa fatal error. I'm going to kill you. Is also like, and also, that other one was an imitation. I'm the real one because she's immature as I'll get out. <laughs> so anyway, uh, and I wrote, screw you, April. Uh, and she starts scratching at Tombstone with her symbiote claws. But even April is no real match for Tombstone. Heck, she seemingly is a quick kill because she isn't lasting as long as May did. But April has a trick up her sleeve and she becomes full symbiote, like symbionite liquid. It's disgusting, freaking Tombstone out. Uh, to quote him, this is a whole different kind of weird. <laughs> and he feels set up. Uh, he didn't agree to this. He didn't agree to fight Venom. And uh, April uses her symbionite, uh, symbiote tendrils to catch and bind Tombstone. He tells her that he knows where her father stands on killing, so she just needs to go ahead and call the cops, and Silvio's lawyers will have him out before she's back home to watch the CW. But April has a different idea in mind, since to her, as he said, he killed May, her sister. She suffocates Tombstone with a uh, tendril, and she shifts her look from April to, uh, to her April look to her May look. She calls May on... Uh, she calls MJ, sorry, on the new cell phone and tells her that April is out of their lives forever and narrates that she's made a Parker and the daughter of Spider-Man. The end for now and the rest of the story will continue on Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited. All right, Zach. <laughs> Man. Um, sorry, that was the Spider-Girl 4 rundown. Um, 
What a way to tease the end of the volume if you were reading the book like me and the floppies like, holy crap, April, April killed a guy. Uh, if you needed a hook to get people to sign up, uh, I suppose this is a great hook. As a result of this, the same month digital and, and physical release uh, ends. We will talk about that more in the next episode. But yeah, Amazing Spider-Man Family was canceled and a new focus was made because that's what's going on because of what's going on with the spider titles at the time. Kelly, your thoughts on uh, on this one? Yeah, not not as not as many. I pretty much kind of said it throughout this thing because, like, like I said, May uh, April was getting on my last nerves, and there's no May in it. Um, but you know, I really want to kick April's butt and make her watch eight hours of Sesame Street a day until she learns some compassion because, like, this is straight up psychotic behavior. <laughs> she she killed like she suffocated Tombstone. Yes. Like I, I will say this, I, I'm I don't love that. Um, no, I don't. I don't either. Like th this, this to me, like she's committing unforgivable things, and she doesn't really. She knows what she's doing, but she doesn't understand. You know, like. I, I mean, she. On one hand, this is definitely a reasonable character flaw because I mean, this is a person who's swimming with teenage, you know, angst that was well, literally she, I mean, born. She, well, well right. I mean, this is my thing. She knows what happened to her. And, I mean, this is straight up body horror. Like, horror. Like, she was a baby. And her DNA, because, yeah. like, she, she was a clone, but, like, a baby mixed with a symbiote. Like, she's not, because that was something, what was it, one of those silly questions I got um, was, like, well, what, what if May wore April as a symbiote. And I was like, that's messed up because this is, this is messed up. Like the, yeah. her body, like she is not, she's not human. Like that's the thing. And so there's this aspect of it. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I understand the character doesn't mean I like the character right now. And yes. I think that that, you know, that should be a fair judgment right now. Um, I mean, obviously she does redeem herself. She does learn a huge lesson. There's a huge character arc here. Um, but right now this is, this is baby April and she's dealing with the fact that like the memories that were implanted in her, you know, not that she had like memories, but like the thing that was implanted in her that she knows is she is the real daughter. Like that was the thing that was implanted. And obviously I think she's the clone period. period. Like I will argue. Oh, no, I, there's, to me, there's no doubt. Um, yeah. Um, but you know, the whole thing though is like that was implanted in her. So that's all she knew when she woke up and she was angry. Cause you know, the way that those mind chip things work, you know, is, I mean, it's, it's messed up. Like it's beyond messed up. She's been brainwashed. She doesn't know where to go. She feels ostracized and singled out because she's not normal and she'll never be normal. Like this is an added layer of that. Like she can't even pretend to be normal because she, She's not even really like her tacky clothes aren't even clothes. <laughs> Which makes her hitting on Wes so much more disgusting now that I'm thinking about that. Yep. Anyway. <laughs> but again, like, you know, she, and she clearly watched like a crap ton of TV and thinks that's how the world works. Um, she's very you know, dramatic. She's very, well, she's, that's, that's a, it, it's funny because it's kind of like May got all the really good traits of MJ and Peter. April has all the really bad traits of Mary Jane and Peter. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I get that that's probably the intention, but like, this is chaos. This is, this, uh, it's dangerous. And like I said, like we've spent all of this time reading May's journey, May's story to get here. And it's like April threatens all of that because April can super damage her reputation. And that's what, that's like a part of the anxiety for me. Cause I'm just like, I don't like, you know, obviously it doesn't happen, but you know what I mean? Like there is that threat and it's, it's a scary thought. So. So that's really all I have in uh, terms of that. Um, I don't know if there's anything you want to touch on before we move on. You are cutting out, sir. Oh, bye. Hi, Neil. You're muted. Oh, I don't hear you. hi. Hi. <laughs> okay, I'm just subbing out until Zach gets his connection together. Um, that's fine. Well, I think we're pretty much done because, like I said, I didn't have a whole lot to say. Uh, so as I go through this, um, we don't have any kind of reviews or voicemails right now. Um, we did get a lot of emails. And the first one is from a Professor Canor. And if I butcher that, I am sorry. Uh, you can tell me how to pronounce it later. But subject is just something small. And they write, the professor writes, hiya, I saw on Twitter how sad you were over people sending you weird stuff. Wasn't necessarily sad, I was beside myself, but thank you, I appreciate that. Uh, so I wanted to send something wholesome that I wrote to cheer you up. And since it's Mother's Day, because it was Mother's Day in the UK, um, when they wrote this, um, they figured that they would make a cute, wholesome story about April and Mary Jane. And they hope we like it. Um, and then they, so the professor has been watching the podcast as it comes out uh, since maybe the start of, the, of this year, and it has really been nice to hear someone's thoughts on something that they like as well, and they are working on their final project for school. Uh, and since the next few issues we'll be covering will feature April heavily, why not send us this fan fiction? Um, they tell us we don't have to read it out loud, um, and you know that they don't mind any either way, but we are. Uh, going to post it on spideydude.com so everybody can read it. Um, it was it, like, it's a good story. It was just a little long and um, we have other emails we have to get through. So it was six pages. Po- so like, <laughs> yeah, so we're, we're going to, we're going to post it on um, spideydude.com later, like right after this episode. So that way you guys can read it and yeah, definitely cool. go check it out. Um, Cause it's, it's really cool. And they said originally they were going to have an extra bit at the end that, I'm, oh, that, that this could be, this could possibly be a spoiler. So I don't know if I want to say it. Do I want to say it? Should we no, say it? No, no we'll, we'll leave it. We'll leave it for people to. Yeah, we, we don't want to spoil anything. Um, so, but, you know, they hope that we enjoyed it and said, uh, says, have a good day. And then obviously it says, if you're confused, Mother's Day is different over here for some reason. Um, it was UK Mother's Day on Sunday. And I believe that's when this was sent to me. And so, like I said, we're going to post it on Spidey Dude after the show. Uh, so by the time audio listeners read this, it will definitely be up. Um, I would say anybody watching live right now, give us a give us a little bit. But I'm going to bust uh, Zach's chops until he posts it. So. Yes, I will. I will post it as soon as we're done with the episode. Yeah. 
All right. So since you are back, would you like to read Vinkman's email? Yeah, I'll read Vinkman's. Um, it's uh, the subject of the of the email is Spider Mawage. Hello, Kelly and Zach. I'm going to get straight to the point. Your episode on Mr. and Mrs. Spider-Man solidified his thoughts that he's had on the spider marriage for some time, and he'd like to share them with us. He's never heard the argument that the Spider-Man marriage made Peter unrelatable. That's a weak argument excuse made by people who think Peter becoming older and getting married is the end of the story. It's like they're stuck on the original Stan Lee era, and they only see Peter one way, and anything that deviates from that narrow view is quote-unquote wrong. It's not. As long, so long as you have writers who know how to write a married couple well, it's simply the next chapter in the story. Preventing Peter to grow is not only unfair to him, but to the rest of the supporting cast characters as well, especially MJ, who he always feels gets the short end of the stick in the inspired man marriage debates. In the case of Mr. and Mrs. Spider-Man, the legendary Tom DeFalco certainly knows how to write a Mary, Peter, and MJ very well. And that comes through in all four of these short stories. That being said, he doesn't think the Spider-Man marriage is a the problem certain people try to make it out to be. Adding children to the mix does complicate things a bit, but even before they got married, MJ fully understood Peter's need to be Spider-Man and the sacrifices that have to be made because of it. But in Mr. and Mrs. Spider-Man, we saw that trying to juggle a superhero life with college, work, a wife, and a baby was starting to be too much. Ultimately, you know that 982 Peter lost his leg in the final battle with Norman Osborn, and that was the wake-up call that made him give up being Spider-Man so he could concentrate all of his time and energy on raising his family. But if that hadn't happened, wouldn't that mean that Peter would have to potentially miss out on important things like seeing Baby May take her first steps, missing school plays, or even basketball games because Spider-Man got in the way? That would be completely unfair to May or any children that Peter and MJ might have. It's for reasons like that that I'm glad is glad the events played out the way they did in MC2 and why he wouldn't want to see Mayday in the 616. What do you think? I'm dying to hear what you think about all this. I love everything you do. And he's proud that we do, and he's proud and honored to call you friends. So until next time, until he starts running out of ideas to, of how to end his emails, make mine mayday. Sincerely, Vinkman. Thank you, Vinkman. Um, I mean, I sort of slightly agree with that statement. I think, I'll put it this way, in a world that we now have multiple, um, like, instances, multiple very well fan loved uh, series where Peter is a father. I prefer 982 Peter to Renew Your Vows Peter because I, I just, I don't see, I think that like 982, like MC2 is far more closer in line to 616 on or at least how Peter used to be um, because it doesn't seem very responsible to let your your child um, run around at like eight, ten years old as a spider sidekick. Just just saying, it's kind of weird. And so I I really liked where he felt very like hard and like the fact that he was able to actually be in her life. Cause yeah, like like you said, there would be guilt because he would miss things. But I also think like in the six one six that would be a good it could possibly be a good little story as well, you know? Um, but, you know, the powers that be have made a mandate. I I see the pros and cons of both sides. Um, you know, I'm glad that we have these else worlds, these other worlds in the multiverse where we can see uh, Peter be a dad. 
and you know get to see Mayday, get to see Annie. Um, in the new movie, we'll see Baby May. Um, because that's kind of the beauty of the multiverse. We're allowed our imagination, and we're allowed to see things a different way than what the current run is going. And that's you know that's our prerogative, and that's okay. Like we're allowed this. It's almost like Marvel is encouraging you to create your own universe. And that's, you know, pretty cool. So, yeah. So what do you think about it, Zach? Um, you know, again, I think that uh, we've seen in other comic book medium, like um, I use the Fantastic Four, for example. You know, they definitely are a family. And Peter, this notion that Peter has to be this swinging single guy because there was the Betty and Veronica phase of the Stan Lee era constantly gets brought up um particularly in the Ramita era and i'm like and i'm starting to get to that point where we're you know i, I just finished uh peter's high school phase mm-hmm. peter peter's a highly insecure guy especially in the ditko era because that's essentially hey april yeah uh like but I said, as- she has all of their worst traits it's really bad yes it's really but bad also, also i'm gonna be real like Steve Ditko was plotting himself in those in those books. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like like Peter Parker, Steve Ditko Peter is very Steve from his look was, you know, to his you know, uh, uh A is A and how black and white everything is and how he plotted things, even though Stan is scripting over his plots and his his drawings. Like it, it's, it's Peter is very uh, much a loner, and yes, that like I say, that'll change once we get to once we get Ramita books. But um, because I like I say, I'm I'm going back and I, I re- not only did I read the Ditko stuff, but I also read all of Untold Tales while while I was reading um the Lee Ditko stuff. So it's just to me, it really this romanticized version of how Peter Parker is and this belief that he has to be this, you know, young high school doofus. Mm -hmm. It it didn't last very long. He, he spent far more time in his college years than he did in his high school years. And so, um, I feel that because of that, Peter, Peter's a very monogamous, monogamous guy. Um, you know, when he's dating Gwen, he's only thinking about Gwen when he's dating Betty he doesn't even pay attention to, to Liz, but Betty sees that Liz is trying to, you know, trying to make him pay attention to her. Mm-hmm. But it's all misunderstanding because that is the irony is, is what the Parker luck is built on. Yeah. And so, um, I just, I, I feel like that, that it was always a cop out. I started reading Spider-Man when he's married. You know, yeah. Kelly, I'm pretty sure you, you're the same. We didn't yeah. not relate to the character as well, kids. Well, too, well, too, I was, when I was born, they were married. <laughs> yeah. I, I, like, <laughs> technically, technically, they were born, when I was, when I was born, they were married too. I, I was born the end of that year. So, uh, yeah, was, so, but you know what I mean? Like we, yeah. there, there was literally from the time we were born, they were married. So like, this was a huge, big shock. And then, and then, you know, the thing that has been said currently is just like, 
everyone's getting pretty confused because of the baby may situation so i'm sure marvel was not happy with sony for this um because now people are questioning going well wait in every other media peter and mary jane are like in game but why Mm -hmm. can't they be together in this current run and you know spencer tried to at least explain it a little bit better for mm-hmm. us and like tried to like help connect the dots and i appreciate that and yeah like i mean unfortunately like th- this is this is high up like this is beyond editorial at this point this is this is some mandate that just can't be changed and regardless of our feelings on it it's just not gonna happen not right now not until they they fix it and i don't know what what needs to change for that to happen you know so like it's, it's just uh, it's crazy it's, cra- it's kind of like i don't know I, I you know like all the editorial yeah. you know part of it's editorial part of it is it's just a mindset you, if if the characters are writing themselves if the characters are driving the stories then it'll make all the sense in the world if the characters aren't driving the stories then you know then you're going to have stuff like that because a lot of the contrived crap that went on during the marriage era was you had people that weren't on board with them getting married and then they constantly kept trying to figure out ways to undo it and oh yeah and like this isn't the first time like i mean that's why she kept going you know because that's why she kept like they were having fights and she'd leave and she wouldn't be there for a while in the story and then come back. And it, I, to me, it's, it's been, there was a way to write it. And it's kind of the way right now, there's a way to write everything, but you have to plan it. And I don't know to me, like, I don't know to me, like you said, it's not character driven stories. Cause I don't think anybody's putting themselves in the character's shoes as they're writing anymore. I think cause they're being told, write this big, do this big bombastic thing. And everything has to be summer blockbuster after summer blockbuster. But like, eventually that's going to settle into fatigue, which I think is kind of what's happening now. Yes. So. Um, you know, it, it, that's exactly what's going on is fatigue. I mean, we just came off of this major event in the current books, and now we're in this, oh, we're finally getting the answers to the stories, uh, at least halfway through the, the answers to the stories. And I'm like, you know, okay. I'm yeah. ready for, for this to end, but, but you know, um, at least we're not having things, you know, Damocles sword hanging over the books of, you know, what did Peter do? And that's, you know, that's what I feel like is going on with at least the current book. So, so at the same time, it is, it is very much a cop out. I I've been on record going back all the way back to my time on crawl space when a little more. (laughs) Yeah. Zach, you're breaking up. Uh, It's pretty bad. (laughs) I'm sorry. Um, but I, I know, like, I mean, obviously we are pro spider marriage, uh, on, on the site. Uh, but you know, it, it's, it's been a while since that, 
that was a thing. I don't think any of us are sitting here still crying about it. So I'm a, a I'm eight a, and a half later. May may I offer a potential yes. not like not controversial, but kind of an odd perspective. No, sure. So I view the marriage not necessarily as critical, but I think mm -hmm. foundational. Um, my issue is that no matter which side of the aisle you're on, there doesn't seem to be a direction forward. Like with, no. with, with the brand new day writers, there is never, um, where do we go from here? Aside from making Peter single, we'll make it up as we go. Uh, yeah. in regards to people who are pro marriage, typically their, their pitch begins and ends with let's bring the marriage back. What do we do next? I don't know. I didn't really think that no, far ahead. I mean, so this is my thing is there's ways around it. Uh, I think mostly it's okay. If you bring the marriage back, just don't have it be a focus on the story. Mary Jane's yeah. still a supporting character as the wife, you know, whether she's there or not for, you know, whatever reason, it's just, it wouldn't be the main focal point of the story, which I think at this point, thanks to one more day, brand new day, et cetera, You've dug yourself into that pit where you kind of have to. Your, yeah, it, it's what I said on the crawl space. I, I ultimately feel like everything's kind of been written into a hole. And now you're at the point where you have to break some of your mandates or some of your like hard set rules to get out of the hole to get, fo you know, to move forward. And unfortunately, that's just not happening right now. And, you know, I, you, I, I don't work for Marvel, so... I don't know what the big mouse is up to. Yeah, or, yeah. Do I, like we, do we don't know. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes. There's like you know, there's who knows, and we'll just leave well, it at that. You know. Um, but uh, yeah. So the third email, because we are gonna get back on track because we kind of jumped off track. But okay. the the third the third email we have is from Russell or R H and. He says, hello again, wasn't planning to send an email to you guys, but I decided to check the Spidey Dude Twitter page tonight, and I saw some tweets indicating that certain fans may not have learned the most basic lesson that Spider-Man comics try to teach. Be kind and care for other people. It's really not that hard. Sounds like uh, Kelly in particular had a bad, a really bad time this week, and I wanted to say I'm sorry for that, and I wish everyone the best. Thanks, as always, for a great podcast and everything you guys do. It's nice to know me and my buddy are the only spider girl fans out there if it helps here's a youtube video of baby bunnies playing with a golden retriever promise it's not a rick roll or anything like that take care guys and i'm not gonna play the video uh russell but thank you for for the email i did watch the video it helps it's great um and it definitely was not a rick roll uh so thank you and with that um pretty much um we are done with the episode today so uh next episode we're going to keep on keeping on uh with the uh spec issues five through eight we're gonna see the jersey devil more cult of the goblin shenanigans and just chaos and mayhem lots and lots of chaos and mayhem so uh like i said we'll go over issues spec uh five through eight next time and we will let you guys know when uh we do schedule that and zach are you back i am back and um uh we did get a, i saw a comment says i just want to say that he loves the channel not only 
learning about it recently. He's been going through the archives. Great job, everyone. So, hi, thank you, Eric. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Eric. And yeah, so I will let you uh, close out the show unless there's any other things you want to say. Nope. Um, next time we will be, like like she said, we'll be covering the next four issues of Spectacular Spider-Girl. Um, we get a cryptid. We get a real cryptid in the Jersey Devil. Yes. So, so Spider-Girl is a final girl. There you right. go. Ah. So, uh, all right. Without further ado, we'll, we've got to thank our Patreon subscribers once again. Thank you to our patrons. Vinkman, Scott, Greg, Kegar, Master Dramon, Phoenician, Kale, Georgia, Jessica, Cindy, uh, Vicky, Catherine, Allison Farquhar, Laura, Ed Reynolds, as well as our other four that are not up on the screen. Um, uh, let me go back all the way up to the top of my notes. Uh, wow. Sorry, it, it, I, I, I thought I had it's, it. But... Well, your internet's throwing you through a loop. It's okay. Yeah. Vicky, Scott, Janelle, and Vanessa, thank you to our newest Patreon subscribers. Thank you guys for, and girls for all your support of everything we do here on the network. Hopefully um, my internet will become more stable soon. So um, like we say, if you haven't checked out our other shows, such as Clone Saga Chronicles and Spectacular Radio, our classic shows here on the Spidey Dude Radio Network, uh, it, they are over on spidey-dude.com. About uh, Spider Man from the beginning. Hey, Zach, you're breaking up. Um, just dropped. Uh, they're chronicling. Rest of... There you go. Uh, they're chronicling the era on um, Spectacular Spider Man that we were just talking about, the Tombstone era. Uh, then you got Voices from the Eerie, a Gargoyles podcast just dropped their latest episode uh, with um, Sally Richardson and talking about the High Noon episode of the Gargoyles series. And if you want to see the video version of that, you can go over to patreon.com slash Network. And then coming soon, we'll have more on Books of X. Uh, we got our second episode recorded. We're almost done with the three-part pilot, and we will have that out to you guys very, very soon. So if you like that, Check all those out over on Spidey-Dude.com. Links are all down in the description below. Follow us on our social medias uh, at Spidey Dude Network on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok, as well as at Spidey Dude Radio on Twitter. You can follow Kelly at Make My Mayday on uh, Twitter as well. So that was a great that's all a great way to be able to keep up with our shows. Be also also be sure to check out our shorts. And if you have not already, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for watching, and we'll see you next time here on the Spidey Dude Radio Network.